This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. Did you manage to stay dry? Yeah, we had this amazing storm went through, which kind of seemed really fitting after handing in my thesis on Friday. Woo-hoo! And then the storm just blew all of that chaos out of my life and I have had an amazing weekend. How was yours? It was good. It took me quite a long time to get home from Christchurch, from Christchurch, from Wellington on Friday and then Saturday. I bet. But, but got there eventually. They tried to blame Dunedin's weather. Got to Dunedin, it was perfectly fine, just a little bit of fog. <laughs> Ignoring the monster gale and painful rain in Wellington. But it's Monday now. Who are we introducing today? Today it is my absolute great pleasure to introduce someone who I consider to be, I think, one of the most inspirational artists in our country, Mr Dick Frizzell. Um, I am a long-time fan of Dick's work, and um, as you'll remember, not so long ago we interviewed his son Otis. Um, and I think as a family they have contributed a phenomenal amount to art in New Zealand uh, and I appreciate that so much and welcome Dick thanks for sharing with us today. Oh thank you very much, flattered. Thank you Dick, where are you Dick? I'm in Auckland, Grafton, Auckland, central city. Did you manage to avoid the rain in the weekend? I, I don't remember having any. <laughs> We had a little bit, but nothing. So, no. so how was your bubble life? Uh, well, I put together that book that I, we published last year in October. Um, I spent the bubble just sitting here, corresponding with my publisher and, and all the artists that contributed. So it was all done. <clears throat> they, the artists sent in high-res files, and I wrote away, and it was... I, honestly, I, I, I loved it. Ah! <laughs> that, I went for a walk every day, you know, it was really special. No no cars, birds in the trees. Yeah. Well, that sounds like me. the perfect sort of project to have during a lockdown. Well, it was actually, yeah. I was going to be doing it in New York and we nearly ended up there. We were two days away from flying out to New York when the shit at the fan, so we were... I'd still be there, I suppose. I don't know. Anyway, did that. Yeah. So what's the book about? Uh, it's called Me According to the History of Art, where I've kind of background my um, personality and my 
oh everything why i you know what why I, I i wrote it to try and figure out why i am what i am sort of thing you know why did i end up even feeling i could write a book like that yeah, it was funny <laughs> it really was i wrote a book about writing a book yeah. did did you find an answer uh nothing that i didn't really know anyway but uh it was interesting put i mean once you start putting it on paper you also, all manner of stuff comes out that you didn't think you even knew, really. You know, a lot of fiction as well, of course, but that's a, the way it goes. We work on the professional practice qualifications, the Master of Professional Practice and the Doctor of Professional Practice. And the start of that is a review of learning, which is really a an autobiography oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> lifted up into an autoethnography with the th- themes and things that... that get pulled out from it and everybody says after doing it that that it totally blew them away how transformative it was sitting down and and doing that reflecting on their own life and their own work practice absolutely yeah no it is it's an incredible trick writing i mean yeah if you just if you just people say to me how do i do all these things and i say well i just do them people think about it and i just I think about it, I probably should think about it a little bit longer than I do, but I just do, while I'm thinking, I just start writing what I'm thinking and that's it, you know, because, you know, it's the starting that stops most people. That's the funny bit. Yeah. Have you always been a creative person? You're known for being an artist, but but also the writing. Is Is that something that you've always done? Uh, well, I always I used to get first in English at high school, and first in English, first in art. That was me, first in English, first in art, and uh, they just kind of go together. And I, I, I never, well, you kind of quickly figure out that you're a bit different. That doesn't take long, you know, when you get sort of teased and jeered at. <laughs> I don't think it happens so much these days. I come from Hastings, and I tell you, it was a bit rough being a creative little jewel in a farming community. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. Didn't bother me much, I have to say. Dick, one of the things that um blew me away during lockdown was all of a sudden it popped up in my newsfeed on Facebook these incredibly cool prints by you at a very accessible price. So all of oh, a sudden wow. people could actually have your work on their walls and that just blew me away. Who, who does that? You do it, <laughs> you know, like you actually well, make your art accessible to regular families. Yeah, well, it's definitely one of my things, you know, one of my philosophical sort of pillars, if you like. I see you've got one of Otis's up there on the... Yep, I do, yeah. The, uh, just the idea of... Because when we were students, we used to buy prints of Matisse and prints of Picasso and decorate our flats with these affordable prints. So I just kind of thought that's what you did. It didn't wasn't a special altruistic breakthrough or anything. I thought, well, if I make prints like that one about science or whatever, then young science students can pin them up on the wall of their bedroom. I just, you know, and so away we went. And then during the lockdown, the business went nuts. It was bizarre. It just went through the roof. And now it's become like a real thing, you know. It just goes on and on and on. Yeah. We've even got a building in Dunedin now, you know, premises, premises. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? But it, 
what I think it was that like for for a while there we kind of moved away from art and um and it just it stimulated this interest in art again and, and that's what's blown me away like I'm I'm hearing kids talking about these pictures that are popping up all over the place and oh, they're excited about it and it and it's really um it's it feels a, a bit like it's a bit like an activist statement in each of them and or oh, well, or, a, or a memory to the past and that's what the children are feeling and it and i really like that i get a lot of correspondence from regional schools who say that they're they're doing me at school which i think is kind of funny and they send in these sweet little um questionnaires this is one that just came in the other day do you play any instruments? Do you play any sports? Are you a fan of David Bowie? What's your favourite food? You know all that stuff? <laughs> you know, do you have any pets? Do you speak any other languages? Are you going to write an autobiography? And that's, and I mean, I have no idea where these, 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 these schools are. Oh, this one, Titahi Bay. It's just random, fabulous. You know, I love it. Yeah. I always reply, give them a good luck. And then I send a little wee message about uh, getting off your ass and that. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good yeah, why not it's no, good that you spend the time to reply because you know yeah, how, well, how then, exciting yeah. it will be for the kids at the other end yeah and i sent a photograph of, uh, of me painting or something like that you know photograph of the studio i mean it doesn't take much it doesn't you know bugger up my day or anything and, and it and the feedback as you say from the other end is over the top you know what i mean for such a tiny gesture you get this huge kind of result it's almost out of proportion to the effort but I, you know it's good and if, if yeah. that could inspire any kid to follow their passion whether it be into art or anything else then the payback yeah, is well, enormous yeah well that's what i talk about it doesn't have to be art it just has to be whatever whatever gets you going yeah you know, if, you, if you you know if you discover you're the quickest runner at school then you'd be nuts not to take up running, wouldn't you? You know what I mean? It's, yeah, there you go. And so on. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Grateful Dead. Well, we're all will be happy with that. And Ripple, why this one? Uh, well, I was under the pump a bit to think of these. What's your favourite song? You know, <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> and I, Ripple is a like a fallback. You know, I always go, Ripple, you know, eh, there you go. I mean, there could be a million things done, but it's a good, it can't go wrong with Ripple. Bit of Ripple. Would you hold it near As it 
It's so good to hear that song in, played in New Zealand because um, Grateful Dead never really became huge here. I think the only time uh, was Shades of Grey was the only one that actually hit the charts. But Ripple's actually my ringtone on my phone, so I was really stoked when you came up with that one, Dick. Thank you. There's a bit of serendipity for you. How fun. Yeah. Yeah. Nice thing. Yeah. No. As I did, you get my. We could have played, I could have nominated Alligator, but then we wouldn't have had any time to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Half an hour long or something. <laughs> <laughs> I love putting that, you know, the double drumming and all that. I, yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's so cool. That's right. So, you were producing a book during lockdown. Were you producing any art? 
Yeah, I was. I, I, I'm always, yeah, I was. I'm always, there's always the painting, which is the main thing. But I think, um, I can't remember, to be honest. But I, I was obsessed with the book. It was just book, 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 because we were on a deadline to this particular date before the files had to go to China. And the big the big issue with the um, the end of the book was getting all the copyright permissions from the Picasso estate and the Andy Warhol estate. With all, that's all the modern artists, you know, all the artists been around since the 70s. So that the, ed, the editor would ring up and say, Andy Warhol's just agreed and Pablo Picasso's just agreed. And it was, not, you know, Salvador Dali's in. <laughs> <laughs> Salvador Dali's on board or whatever, you know. And that was funny, yeah. Because it was, because I thought, you know, I, I don't know if you know, but I did this thing where I repainted all the paintings that I wanted to use in the book, about 100 paintings from the history of art. But I only did them A4 size, you know, but I, I didn't do them to scale. But the publisher, that's to get around international copyright on the, the Renaissance painters and all that sort of stuff. Because the galleries that own the works, the works are out of copyright, but the images online are owned by the galleries. You know what I mean? So I, st I repainted them. I was repainting, repainting until we got up to, to like Picasso and Chagall. And then the publisher said, I don't know if this idea is, of yours is going to work with um, modern artists. She so said, we better ask, start asking permission. So then it got tricky. And then we had a lot of them, a few, not a lot, but a few that wouldn't let me do it at all. So then I had to start painting fakes of that looked like they'd painted them. That was tricky. That was quite clever, yeah. I would just take two of their paintings and then switch, put the lemons up here and the jug over here. And, you know what I mean? But <laughs> you can't get sued for reproducing a painting that doesn't exist. But everyone goes, oh, that's a Chagall, you know. Because no one has a clue, really, do they? I quickly discovered. <laughs> you can make anything up in the world. It'd be so easy. It'd be so easy to be a cult leader if you put your mind to it. Anyway, you've been a you've been a leader on appropriation in various forms for a long time. Well, I don't see it as that. I don't go out of my way to. It wasn't even called that when I started examining this cultural flow thing. You know, the back and forth. I always assumed it went back and forth, and that was kind of my point. And um, and then that then I came then I sort of got. I became the granddad of this great, comp very, very complex issue, and um, and people, oh, I don't know. Then people who sort of get a, you know get a, a chip on their shoulder or whatever, and then that becomes their entire lens, and then they all look at me, and all of a sudden I'm this bad guy that goes out of his way to make millions up out of other people's cultures, and I go, well, I didn't, I don't think I did that, you know. In fact, I mean, it's still weaves in and out of my life in a sort of random kind of way. But I I don't go looking for trouble, but it certainly finds me occasionally. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't, well, you know, my thing is, if I'm th it's about this thing about not thinking properly um, and moving faster than the speed of thought, that's my that's what gets me into trouble. And I, and I always want people say you can't do that, and then what, I'm immediately going over there to do it to see to find out why you can't. And then you know trouble ensues, basically. But I do it. You know, I'm not that flippant about it. that. Sounds terrible, but uh, I try and do it with a 
a depth of, a depth of sort of sincerity and commitment. Yeah. But anyway, that doesn't work in some quarters. Anyway. <clears throat> but if you look at things like the Foursquare Man, the fo- you, I think you've, if anything, you've you've enhanced the Foursquare brand. Oh, I totally did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I turned it into this kind of kitsch Kiwiana icon. And everyone thinks I designed it in the first place as well, which is kind of funny. So, which I didn't, you know, it was, I just stumbled. I, I, I'm, I am a cartoonist. I, look, I like, I'm attracted to, like I always read Dilbert and the Herald because I love cartoons, you know. And, uh, and then I, I don't know that Charlie sort of had this breakout role in my life. Okay? And then I started getting curious letters from foodstuff lawyers saying, dear Mr. Brazil, we're a bit worried about, and I, then I wrote this big letter about how, Images float free of their original context and become iconic and represent all sorts of complex issues, <laughs> and uh, like land appropriation and all that sort of stuff. And uh, and then I kind of then I then I became totally indexed to it. And I wrote to Foodstuffs and I explained the situation, and they came on board. And now we we sort of have a partnership. You know, they ring me up and ask me to do the set and everything else to use Charlie, as we call him, you know. That's so funny, yeah. I love it, actually. It's like being, it's like you take it from, you take it from the, your environment and then you create this new thing that goes back into the environment that gets picked up by other people. So, you know, it's just, it's like a food chain and you sort of become part of it, which is kind of hugely rewarding, actually, yeah. And sometimes it's literally in the environment because it's on the sides of buildings. Well, that's how I work because I'm attracted to those images. I mean, all my everything I do is image based, and images tell stories. Obviously, logos tell stories, and brand names tell stories. And then you can start putting them together. Even at totally at random, the human brain creates a narrative instantly. You don't even. I mean, you know, you could put a. Uh, an onion next to a wind-up doll and people will start making stories about the crying doll or something, you know, it's fabulous. I don't, you don't even have to do anything. <laughs> Brilliant. People's brains just do it all. Yeah. In, terms of, the, in terms of the narrative that we've had over the, the last year, how do you think that we're going to tell the story of, of surviving the pandemic? Is it going to be a positive well, one? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I can't see how it can't be. We, I think what we, I mean, you don't have to make anything up. The, the narrative is rolling out right there in front of us. And, uh, you know, you know what drives me nuts at the moment? All these um, grumpy bastards that keep saying, where's the, uh, what are they called? Where's the, pl- where's the roadmap for the future? How we, and I think the roadmap, what roadmap? How can you possibly have a roadmap. We don't even know what's going to happen. Because you know what happens when you st- the minute you make a plan and reality comes along and the plan the plan goes up in smoke. I mean, it's just bullshit to start making roadmaps for the future. I mean, you could say, here's a roadmap. I want everything to be lovely. That'd be, that, that, that's all you have to write, really. Here's your roadmap, Mrs. Ms. Collins. I hope everything will be nice. That'll do. There's the plan. If you want one, <laughs> where's the plan? <laughs> Why do you think the be kind message was so successful? 
Oh, because it was so daringly, I mean, coming from anyone else, it would have just looked like uh, cynical and sentimental and but somehow or other um, Jacinda pulled it off. You know, she just, it just felt sincere. And, and it's punchy, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. But why do we need to be told to be kind? Don't we, shouldn't we be doing that anyway? Uh, well, we, we, to a large extent we are. It's just hearing it out loud, I think, is the point. You know, you can't, it literally is. I mean, this is the, I mean, words, they're amazing things. I mean, I know, write them down. You can you can write down a saying that captures people people's hearts, and they just and they go nuts for it, and they're just a bunch of words. You know, it really is an incredible phenomena. People just had totally underestimate the power of these words. I, you know, that's how. Well, that's what I was saying before about being a cult leader. You know, just throw a stupid bunch of words together, and there some bunch of people will just latch onto it. And not an, and, the, and as well as latch onto it, they'll reinterpret it to, according to their particular agenda, you know. And if you know that that's going to happen, you can manipulate it. Seriously, it's bizarre, you know. We haven't seen much imagery around the government message. Just this, the bold and consistent yellow. Would you like to have seen I, something else, a more visual communication? No, not really. I think the 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 that the, 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 it was a clever campaign. I mean, they got it right with the warning slant, the you know the the lines and everything else, which relate to don't park here and all this the other language, sign language that goes with it. Uh, yeah, someone they had someone seriously clever there that cooked that one up and everything that went with it, and um, and we just take it on board because it looks like the signs that we used to already. You know, safety signs, wear your crash helmet and all that sort of stuff. You know, that we see it walking around town all the time. It just tapped into that lingo. Language, language, sign language. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here making things better thank you so i know that for all of us this last more than a year has been so challenging and has presented all sorts of unfathomable new ways of doing being seeing feeling that we would never have expected and i know for all of us new aspects of ourselves have had to come into being or have had to be rediscovered Maybe we met these aspects of ourselves a long time ago and we're reuniting with them. We've never met them before. And I know for all of us, there's been such a lesson in uncertainty that at times we really haven't been able to know what will happen and we haven't been able to know how we will respond. And as I speak with you, of course, I'm so grateful to have these five minutes with you and 
this show has made a huge difference to my life and my way of experiencing life. So I want to say a huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team for having me. I'm so grateful. And as I speak with you, I'm looking out my window and the whole world is shrouded in white and misty mystery. It's very beautiful, but of course very mysterious. And I know for all of us at the moment, the world is a bit like this, that we're doing our best to continue with the, the stories that we already know. But in many ways, we're having to create new stories. And I'm going to be doing some wee videos with my friend from the museum where we share our treasures from Orokanui for me and from the museum for him. And I know that for all of us, the treasures that that we will be sharing are our memories, are our stories from the past and special moments that we've had more than any object, just alone, all of the meaning, all of the, the special time and interaction that have taken place around that object. And for me, of course, it will be living world treasures beautiful trees, beautiful water, the mountain, all these things, and the memories that I have associated with those places. I know that for us all in times of uncertainty like we're in now, it can be hard to feel safe and it can be hard to give ourselves permission to just experience this uncertainty, to know that the more time and space we give ourselves with this uncertainty, the more new ways of doing, being seen, feeling and come forward and the more space that we give ourselves with these questions, the more space there is for the answers to emerge. And I really hope that for you, whatever's happening around you, these memories of special times from the past can be a great comfort to you. And you can also know that there are many more happy times awaiting you to become memories. I know that for me, when I look back, often I forget the times of uncertainty I've been in and been through before. And in fact, it's so helpful to remember and to see that even in uncertain times, we always triumph as a species. We're so good at adapting and finding new ways to cherish and treasure our lives. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Dick Frizzell. Dick, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last year. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Oh, <clears throat> restructured workplaces are going to stick, I think. That experiment. Um, you know, the working from home thing. I mean, it won't be mega but it will be significantly different um oh i don't know it's um i think the climate change message is getting clearer almost got nothing you know like these floods the floods down south and then the floods in belgium do you think people might be thinking well maybe i should get an electric car or something you know what i mean why i mean what the hell is going on you know so that um but I don't, I'm not a great forecaster, you know, I, don't, you know, I know how dangerous that is. All I know is that uh, 
you make your own luck, that's for, that's for sure. I wonder if that climate change message actually got stronger by us not hearing about it much for a year. It gave us a bit of a breather from it, and, and now the effects have carried on, and it's come back with a punch. It's come back with a punch, yeah. That's, uh, yeah it's like we're in a position to sort of breathe deeply and take it on board as a, as a thing. It's definitely been a... Ama- I mean, that COVID, holy smoke, it's, it is such a punctuation mark, isn't it? it? It is massive every day. You think this, like the whole planet, the whole planet, what a phenomenon, you know. But if you believed in messages, you'd get, be driven mad by that one, wouldn't you? So in terms of those those bigger things, climate change, social justice, do you think we can learn anything from that punctuation mark from COVID, from how we've responded to that? Uh, no, no, well, not really. I mean, you don't – it's such a unique situation. That if we, I mean, obviously we'll learn – there will be a lot of stuff that we've learned that we don't know we've learned. Which, uh, that'll be tucked away, and so the next time anything breaks out like this, we definitely will be uh, be a little bit more ready, I would suspect. You know, so but that you know that that thing about lessons learned always fascinates me because you you'll get involved in something like I've been involved, like the when I was the official artist for the Rugby World Cup, and it didn't turn out to be quite the golden opportunity that was promised, and everyone said, oh well, lesson learned. And I said, no, not what lesson? The only lesson I learned was don't get involved in any more Rugby World Cups. I mean, it's not like it'll happen again. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, what is it, what's the lesson? Be careful of people bearing, you know, bearing gifts, you know. Be careful of Greeks bearing gifts or whatever the saying is. But you get, every time, because I'm an optimistic kind of a bloke, which is, you know, I lead, I lead a, I keep my eyes, eyes open and my heart open and that's how things come to me. If I if I got suspicious and wary and cagey, it'd be the end of my, you know, the end of the flow, really. So I just I go, oh, here we go again. <laughs> I'm a little bit more cautious, but not not that much. You can't live being cautious, you know. It's not a way to go. I like that description of optimism: the eyes open and the heart open. Are you? seeing maybe not literally seeing a a vision of a positive future have you always got something good in mind or a, a belief that it's things are going to come out all right what drives that oh, oh i totally do yeah of course i do i mean you know small things uh some things seem to get worse like there seems to be far too many guns down in south Auckland for a start things like that but then you look at education and then you get a I mean, sometimes the newspaper is like cripplingly awful, isn't it? And if you notice how the Saturday paper, which is bigger, makes the news look worse because it's bigger, <laughs> isn't that funny? But I like the tabloid paper in the week; it makes everything look not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> you could just read read the Saturday paper from further away. Yes, stand further back. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. I remember that. Yeah, but I think I mean. By and large, I think you'd have, we'd have to admit to a, you know, improved standards, basically, left and right. Yeah. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Mark Lanigan, Shantyman's Life. Why this one? Uh, well, I'm a huge Lanigan fan, and that one was the one that popped into my head when I was uh, thinking of his titles. 
which is it's a very old favorite it's been on my ipod since ipods were invented i think so it's you know Jude and I always plug it in. Not that we're driving across Europe a lot these days, but that uh, that song's pulled me around the world, yeah. A shantyman's light is a weary someone Though some say it's free from care It's a swinging of an from morning till night in the forest wild and drear transported as we are from a lady so fair to the banks of some lonely stream well think we'll be traveling around the world again anytime soon oh some people will i don't know if i will i'm 78 this year so it's we're getting you know what i mean it's getting harder and airports and stuff get harder and harder and all the rest of it jumping in a car is still easy but uh didn't i've just we had a quick roadie from melbourne around to adelaide six weeks you know just before that <laughs> well it was during melbourne going into lockdown it was fun it changed our driving plans a bit but uh I mean, Jude and I have been very, very lucky to travel hugely. And I look back and I think, oh, well, we had a pretty good go at it, you know. But I do, I feel, I do feel sorry for, like, my granddaughter, you know, 
uh, Coco Brazil, kids like that, where's their OE, you know? They're right there, they're, they're, they're 22 and they're ready to go, you know, and it's like, yeah, I, I feel for them big time. My but, son, I mean, obviously, you know, yeah. My son's life plan is to, for, to be kayak guiding in Norway at the moment. Well, that's Wait. not happening. No, that's right. Oh, yes, I know. It's on, I wonder if how much impact it's going to have on the shape of their careers and things, if it's going to change oh, their yeah. outlook on, on those sorts of things. Well, they'll certainly be looking at rowing their canoes in New Zealand, won't they? That's for sure. The, um, yeah, I know all these – another, my sister, Steve Chadwick, you know, the mayor of Rotorua there, her grandson had a scholarship lined up to go to Denver. You know, all that sort of stuff, gone, you know? It's just boom, and they and they get so you know they, they, this was the thing they were going to do this thing, and now they're not, you know. So stacking shelves at a rotor of a supermarket, you know, waiting for, you know, I mean, it's philosophical about it, but man, oh man, that's tough stuff. Yeah. We hear about the lockdown and the the ongoing slowing down that we had last year. People calling it a rahui various other forms like that. What are you hoping for in terms of a, a recovery or a regeneration or a reset? What does that look like for you? Well, hopefully it'll look a little bit like it looked before the shit at the fan, really. I mean, that's, I mean, I don't think it's going to be better or worse, you know. It's like um, people recovering from depression. I'd always say you've got to be careful that you don't want to end up better, hoping to be better than you were before you started, you know what I mean? Then you get false expectations, then you feel let down and you feel you failed. I think just be just be as good as you were. Don't you don't have to be better. You know, it's an interesting point, isn't it? I always think I like this thing about getting old and doing exercises. I I always say, you don't want to be any fitter than you need to be. That's the one I use. <laughs> you don't want to accidentally sign yourself up to do an Iron Man then. I don't want to I don't want to be fitter than I need to be, that's right. <laughs> Judy's determined to keep me alive as long as possible. I, I see her devious plan. Yeah. So some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, interesting story. I, I think the that book I've just published is, I've got another book coming out in a, in a month. The history of the universe. That's well, you get you get hold of that one. I did, I did, I did the history of the world. Here it is. Here, look. Oh wow, that's the mock-up. But the, yeah, I've, I've just I've just received the first emailed, uh, you know, air freighted copy. I um, cannot wait for that book. I'm so excited about that book. Oh, good on you. Yeah, and that's got my entire belief system all laid out in it. Yeah. Which is kind of funny when you get when it turns up in print, you go, Oh, I didn't mean it to be in print. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> what was that you were saying before about being a cult leader? It's <laughs> 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 <is> the beginning. That's <laughs> right. I'll have to think of a name for it. Yeah, that's right. So oh, we dear. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. Used to be yeah. called used to be called Mawera's Thesis, but she's handed that in now. I, so, <laughs> so it's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? What's got you into the mansion? Oh, 
Uh, gosh, I don't know. Um, transparency, I think. Yeah, that's my gig. Yeah. All out there, all, all laid out. Even the lies are transparent. <laughs> <laughs> and committing, I did I read somewhere the, a good line, the sin of being understood? Oh, yeah, yeah, I committed the sin of being understood. Oh, good on you for remembering that. It was Sam Hunt and me. Yeah. We've let the team down, let the intellectuals down by committing the sin of being understood. So do you, do you consider yourself to be an activist? No, no way. No, I've never thought of that. A bit of a disruptor, maybe. Yeah, in, in a gentle way. Yeah. I just read that the other day, and I thought, well, that's a good word. That's, that, that's pretty much what you do. When you shake up a conversation, when you, you take some received wisdom and sort of give it a shake and say, do you, why should you just accept that? You even received wisdom. You should look at it and go, does that apply anymore? Is that right? Does that make sense now? We've been believing it for years, but maybe it's time to have another look at it. You know what I mean? Shake it up. Yeah. Revision, revise it. Revisionism, that's a big thing. I like that. Yeah. Going in like that book, the history of art book. I kept on reading all those stories about all those famous artists and you know in the 20th century and the utopian nature of modernism and everything else i thought well it was it was just a movement and it all fell through it and it was like communism it promised everything and then at the end of the day delivered very little except some great paintings you know so let's look at it and talk about it instead of just going oh rothko oh, you know what i mean yeah <laughs> so on so forth Okay. So, I got I got into trouble with this a month ago. I'm not going there again. <laughs> so, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? An idea I have at four o'clock a.m. That's what gets me out of bed. Gets me you, running to the pad and pencil. Yeah. Do you write them down? You bet. But at four o'clock yeah. in the morning. No, 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 no. I, I I trust myself to remember it well enough to be able to get it on paper when I get up. I don't think it's gentlemanly to leap out of bed at four o'clock, clutching at a pen and paper. It seems a bit desperate to me. <laughs> Mawera's That's thesis. One of the chapters in Mawera's yeah. thesis starts with a note that she left herself at the, in the middle of the night. I do that. I do that, Dick. I wake up in the night, I write things down, and then I go immediately back to sleep, and then I see it there in the morning, a note to myself that came from my unconscious. Some oh, of my that's... best works come from there. <laughs> Gorgeous. No, well, it te no, it's a good thing. I do. I lie there and ponder it and pray to it and structure it in a way that I will, with key words that will remind me in the morning what it was, you know, just because I'm too lazy, to be honest. It's like my, <laughs> landscape. It's like my landscape paintings. I think if I have to get out of the car, I've failed. <laughs> That's <a> really kidding. <laughs> so what is the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or two oh um well the paintings those big landscapes get harder and harder to physically do i think honestly at this, at, at this age the, the big challenge is just staying healthy enough like i said fit enough to to do what you want to do, yeah. I mean, I've just, I've got another book cooking. Uh, in fact, I was writing notes about it while I was uh, waiting for this to come on. And uh, it's just project. And then people walk in the door with projects that I, do, I don't even see coming. That's the amazing thing. I've just been working with Richie, Mc, Richie McCaw on an interesting project, and which is 
you know, I, I shouldn't really, uh, I can't really talk about it, I don't think. But, I mean, that just came out of the blue. You know, you don't open your inbox and see an email from Richard McCoy every day, do you? And uh, that proved to be rather fun. I told him all my stories about how I hated rugby at school. He enjoyed that. <laughs> he probably didn't like painting either. No, no, he. I don't think he's picked up a brush in his life. This was a painting project, this one. It was we, funny. And that's going to happen. We look, look, we look forward to, to that. To pick up Crap. <laughs> so that's, I mean, I, if I just, I sit back and people come in and tell me what to do. That's the marvellous thing. Okay, Dick. This week, you're going to be redesigning the Vogel's bread packet or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I go, oh, okay. Let's have a go. Yeah. And, la- and lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Oh, uh, I think I, the only thing I could talk about is that business of the starting that stops most people because people don't know where to start. But starting at the beginning is not the point. It's just starting is the point. I mean, if you think of the ending before the beginning, well, then just write down the, the ending and you'll soon quickly start thinking about, well, how can I make a beginning that leads to that ending, you know? And then and you think, well, maybe... And then you start writing things down and before you know it, you're, you're writing. And I, do, I keep a diary. I write a page a day in this un, unlined uh, sketchbook, which I've got hundreds of. Uh, and if you wrote... A page a day at the end of the year, you'd have a three hundred page book. That's a big book. You know what I mean? It's not that hard. It just, and it could be rubbish, of course. That's the that, you know that's that's a risk you run. But there'd be a whole lot of words there, and you can just take take out the worst ones and leave the good ones. You know, which would reduce the book a bit, I suspect. But uh, I don't know. I'm just talking nonsense now. But it's it, it, you have to do it. You know, you can't think about it. We're all geniuses up here, you know. It's getting it out and onto the, uh, here is the trick. And you soon figure out how clever you are when you write it down, don't you? <laughs> you do. <laughs> right, I know. Well, then you look at it. You, you know, you write it down, then you look at it and you react to what you've written, don't you? You go, well, that could be, it's a bit wordy or I could restructure that. But you don't, you can't do that until you get it out of here onto there. That's... That's the entire trick. How do you know when it's done? Uh, when I when it's when you can tamper with it no more. It's when it's done. You know, you soon know when it's done because you you just get realistic about it. You get pragmatic about it. You know, you just go well. And if you think if you keep thinking that could be better, what you're saying is I wish I was better. But yet I'm just going to have to go. This is the best I can do, and I'm obviously this is about as smart as I'm going to get and that's and you just think oh well that looks like me for better or worse and this is what freaks people out too because they think the minute they make that mark or write that sentence they're going to look stupid so they don't do it you know what I mean but you you won't know till you write it down and then you write it down and go well that's not too bad I've read worse you know somewhere <laughs> uh, I was turning into another lecture now but we had better stop Mawera. Do you know, before you said moving faster than the speed of thought, and I absolutely love that, the concept of that, and because if you're doing that, then all of that self-doubt and those negative thoughts don't have a chance to stop exactly. you. Exactly, that's right. That's exactly right. That's oh. right. You can, you, you can, that's right, or you just overthink it, right? 
yeah. You just got to do it. This has been this has been an extraordinary interview. Thank you, Dick. Thanks for your time and your wisdom and for sharing with us today, oh, and for everything you do. Actually, oh my gosh, everything you do. Oh, thank you very much. That's very kind. Yes, I must go and write something immediately. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. Okay, a pleasure. to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We have a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Grateful Dead's Alligator. I'm Samuel Man in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Muwira Karatai in Fakatani, and in Auckland we've been joined by Dick Frizzell. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.